Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Two dozen Oregonians went to Portugal recently. The group included elected officials, police officers, drug treatment providers, community leaders, and others. They all went to learn about Portugal's 20-year-old drug decriminalization effort and to find out if there are lessons from that earlier example that can be applied to Oregon and to Measure 110. I should point out that the trip was organized and largely paid for by a coalition of state and national groups that supported Measure 110 and do not want to see it gutted. I'm joined now by two of the lawmakers who went on the trip. Lily Morgan is a Republican state representative from Grants Pass. That's House District 3. Kate Lieber is a Democratic state senator from Beaverton and Southwest Portland and the Senate Majority Leader. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Lily Morgan first. Why did you want to go on this trip? Uh, That's a good question. It was honestly a surprise to get the invitation. I have been fairly critical of how long it took for the money to get out the door and how Measure 110 was implemented without it integrating back into our current systems. And so when I was invited, my first question was, why did you invite me? Oh, not why should I go, but why did you want me to go? Correct. And and then it was, no, I do want to go. I want to know that if somebody is critical, uh, that... Um, you know, what's being seen has a different lens for which it's being seen and that there's somebody else speaking up for both sides when we get back. Well, you know, I noted that the organizer and the funder of this trip, uh, the group that paid for the majority of this, it was a group that has been very outspoken in terms of pushing for this measure and, and pushing for it to continue. Given that, I mean, what was the answer you got when you asked them, why did you invite me? I was told two things. One day I stopped one of the proponents of Measure 110 in the hallway and I said, look, we have the same goal. We want to save lives. We maybe just don't agree on how we get there. And she said that was part of why she invited me to go is because uh, if we're not willing to have those conversations when we disagree, then maybe we don't see the things that we're missing out. And, And they said, you know, I ask good questions and they know I care. And so I'm glad that I was included on the trip. There, There were some pretty... Uh, amazing people on the trip that had some pretty incredible life experiences. And it is something that is value to hear where people come from as they are approaching these topics, even if we disagree. Kate Lieber, why did you want to go to Portugal? That You theoretically could have read all about it. Uh, I imagine you did do some research before you went, but why did you want to actually go there? Well, I... Uh... I, I thought it was incredibly eye-opening to um, see uh, how Portugal has handled it on the ground. And I was, um, you know, I I didn't agree to go until I was sure that we would have a cross-section of people going from the Oregon delegation. Um, it was important to me that we had, it was bipartisan. It was important to me that law enforcement came, including um, Department of Justice and um, uh, prosecutor's office. And so once that all came together with other lawmakers, I, I knew that it was a place that I wanted to be to, to not only see what Portugal has to offer, but to then take those experiences and have really robust conversations with the Oregon delegation around what we've seen and where do we go from here. Um, 
I also just will note that um, this didn't cost taxpayers any money. Uh, and I, for one, didn't actually take any money from the sponsors of the trip because it was important to me that that not be a distraction. Well, let's dig into first what Portugal is doing and why. Kate Lieber, maybe you can start with this. What did you learn about the why? What was happening in Portugal 20 plus years ago that led them to decriminalize drugs? Well, you know, that was really a very interesting story. They um, had a, a really terrible problem with, um, with an addiction to heroin, and it was when the AIDS epidemic was really hitting them hard. Uh, and the way they told the story was that they're a, they're a country of about 10 million, and they said that there was not a single family that wasn't impacted by what was happening um, with uh, addiction to them, with their addiction crisis and then sort of along with the AIDS crisis. And they knew right then and there that they wanted to do something quite different than that was happening. Um, but I will say a couple of things. One, I do think that Oregon and um, Portugal come at it, this problem with a different lens. You know, Portugal really looks at it as we are always going to have drugs. We're not going to be able to get rid of them. And um, therefore, we should do more harm reduction. I think Oregon and, and I think really the United States looks at it more from a zero tolerance perspective, from a perspective of we want to eradicate drugs. And those two perspectives really create differences that I was seeing on the ground. And uh, I have to say it was invaluable to see the way Portugal handled those differences. Well, where would you put yourself? I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, our state or our country's view of of drugs, uh, zero tolerance versus Portugal's, they're going to be here. We have to we have to deal with it somehow. Where do you put your own point of view? And then uh, <laughs> Lily Morgan, I'm going to ask you the same question. Well, you know, I, I'm a former prosecutor. I I believe that we have a system that needs carrots and sticks. Um, I also believe that what the voters voted on when they voted ballot measure 110 is that they wanted to treat addiction like a public health crisis, which it is. It is a public health crisis. And people who are addicted have um, public health needs that we should pay attention to. The, the, one of the biggest sort of takeaways that I saw around Portugal was they have these methadone bands that go and meet people where they are. And their whole view of it is we're going to treat the medical problem of addiction with medicine and give medicine um, to those who need it uh, when they need it. I, I think that we as Oregon can do a much better job of doing that. And I, and I think that's the, what the voters really wanted when, when, they, um, when they put ballot measure 110, when they voted it in. Because if addiction is a health problem. It also, what's happening on the streets right now, especially in Portland, is unacceptable. We cannot have open-air drug markets. We have a homeless population that is really suffering with both mental health and addiction problems. And we have to make sure that people feel safe in their homes and on their streets and that they can walk down the street with their six-year-old and not have to explain why someone is slumped over. So... We have to do all of those things, and I think the biggest thing for me is we've got to continue to make sure that we have addiction treatment for people who need it when they need it. 
Lily Morgan, I'm curious what you made of the um, the this the stark difference, sort of philosophical difference that Kate Lieber has just described of of more. We're going to have to live with this stuff. It's it's going to be with us forever. Versus a a desire to somehow eradicate it in this country or in this state. Well, there's uh, definitely some differences that I feel than what was said. First off, um, the question before the voters for Measure 110 was not, is this a public health problem? The voters didn't have that as an option to vote for. They were given the option to vote for, do you want them to be uh, in jail or do you want them to have treatment? And overwhelmingly, our voters said, we want them to get treatment. And as treatment was defined when that vote happened, that meant helping people get clean and sober. Yes, there is a health component to addiction in that while you are in that addiction, uh, the cravings are overwhelming. The, the thought process and how things work are not what they were when you're not on the drug. I also spent the majority of my career in the criminal justice system. As Senator Lieber was a prosecutor, I was a parole and probation officer. I helped facilitate groups. I was certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, and I helped uh, supervise at times the drug court program and the mental health program. I've also been a legal guardian to someone in the mental health world, and I still volunteer in the recovery community. Through this process in Oregon as Measure 110 has been implemented, I have been in regular contact with the recovery community in my area, getting their feedback on how things are going. And as I have heard through the course of my career, that addiction is a disease, just limiting to that sentence takes out the element of human responsibility and choice. There are people that have been in recovery for decades and still say I'm in recovery there is still that disease component, but they also have implemented a choice to not use or to seek the help to stop using. Not everybody facing that addiction is able to face that choice without help. And that's where that treatment component and that process of coming alongside somebody to help them work through that process. I would say one of the other glaring pieces of this, though, is that fentanyl and methamphetamine two of the most shocking drugs that have hit Oregon is not seen in Portugal today. And you know, so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. It was maybe the biggest surprise to me of everything I've read about this trip. Um, I just, I guess I would have assumed that international drug traffickers would have figured out how to bring fentanyl from China all over the world to any place where there are people who would be susceptible to opioids, which I guess is just is everywhere. We're humans. Did authorities there have theories as to why that hasn't happened? Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. I heard any theories. Representative Morgan, did you hear any theories about that? I had not heard. Uh, they had talked about their prescription programs and the change in their health component with centralized health yeah. or socialized health, rather, uh, that they weren't prescribing different opioids, so they didn't have the proliferation of uh, opioid pills that America had with how we prescribed freely for so long. Uh, yep. They also have direct access to the original products through uh, um, opium coming into the country and stuff. But no, they, they did say where they started decriminalization with a heroin issue, 
Today, though, it's not just a heroin issue in Portugal. They also have a crack cocaine issue. And they said one of their leading substances they're struggling with how to deal with is, is actually cannabis, marijuana. Yeah. And, and so they have expanded what drugs they're, that they're facing now versus what they were. But fentanyl and methamphetamine, the synthetics, were not either of them. Kate Lieber. But they d- are d- gearing up for it. They're, they're they, gearing they, up for they, it. They do. Yeah, they, they're, they're worried. Um, and we were, uh, I was surprised too, Dave, that that was, that fentanyl hadn't hit their shores the way it hit, um, the United States. Well, Kate Lieber, to what extent does the lack of fentanyl in Portugal affect the way you think about how useful, um, the Portuguese example is for Oregon today? I guess I'm just wondering if... Given everything we've heard and we've learned about fentanyl and just its unbelievable potency, if if that potency in and of itself changes the picture, I don't. I mean, I I I think that the fentanyl crisis that we have um, does change the picture, and I think it it did really happen. We switched over from. Uh, black tar heroin being the sort of drug um, of, of choice and, and meth to fentanyl pretty quickly during the course, of, like from the pandemic on, is my understanding, is that it's really switched over pretty quickly. I do think that the potency of this makes it so much more dangerous. Uh, Portugal also has uh, one of the biggest lessons that I took is they also have a very robust um, prevention system that is in their uh, school school systems that um, I thought was really very interesting um, and also more comprehensive, but they have not had to deal with the, um, the fentanyl issue that we have where one pill will kill. And I think that for me creates much more urgency around making sure that we have the right response because we're, we're losing people. Um, so, so let's let's turn more specifically to the 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 really clear lessons that you both took from this trip, and and if and how they might translate to legislative policies, what, what you might push for. Lily Morgan, first, are there specific takeaways from your your four or five days in Portugal um, that that will lead you to push for specific policies? Thank you for that question. And I will agree completely with Senator Lieber that we do have to do something now because of the intense outcome of people dying in our state. Uh, the prevention program that Portugal did is is absolutely essential that Oregon continue to support and expand our prevention efforts. Uh, prevention costs one eighth of the cost of treatment and that was before the fentanyl crisis in Oregon. And so it is worth the investment. They also initially when they started and they put their system into place, you could get same day access to treatment. However, over the course of the 22 years since Portugal has been decriminalized, they cut back funding when they had economic struggles as the rest of the world did in 2008, and they have not built those back up. So uh, both the Portugal contingent and the Oregon contingent was saying how we need to be able to have same-day access, that if somebody is at that place that they want help, that there's some place for them to go that day so they don't get 
kind of sucked back into the system of use. And I would say one thing that surprised me that I thought was beneficial is their medical staff in medical school gets about six months of training in addictions as part of their their schooling. And in the United States, that's not a consistent program that's taught, nor for any substantial amount of time. So if we did see the portion of it as public health issue, we have to prepare our doctors and our medical system on how to respond to that addiction in a way that is helpful. And what about the very basic question of whether or not you would vote to overturn, I would say, half of Measure 110? The proposal uh, would be to, to keep cannabis money going to pay for treatment, but to recriminalize user amounts of drugs like fentanyl and meth. I am a proponent and uh, advocate for drug court systems, diversion programs. I have helped people through that process. I still attend drug court graduation, even though I've not been a parole officer in several years. Uh, If there's a recriminalization, I want there to be a path of accountability with treatment or drug court, where when somebody uses or somebody has a violation. They're not thrown out of the program. Uh, They're brought around with peer support. They're brought around with other uh, checks and balances in the system. And I will say that uh, that is, that's key. That jail alone doesn't change behavior. I'm not looking for people to have criminal histories. I'm looking for people to have accountability and getting treatment. I had a bill uh, earlier this session uh, to uh, kind of create a civil uh, hold similar to that you would do with a mental health hold for families to be able to have a resource when their loved one is in uh, in addiction. And Kentucky has passed that. It's called Casey's Law. And they've, they've tweaked it a little bit more recently as well to keep it current with where things need to be. But that is something that Oregon has not been willing to look at, a mandatory treatment. Uh, that's something the Swiss model has when they decriminalize. They have a mandatory treatment with accountability. Portugal, even if referred to treatment, there was really no consequence if somebody chose not to get involved. And in Oregon, if we are going to recriminalize, we need to make sure there's a path to treatment and a path to expungement in that process, but allowing that process of accountability to be in place. And Kate Lieber, we're running out of time, but but what are you going to be pushing for in the, le- in the legislature with respect to Measure 110 and as a result of this trip? I agree with much of what Representative Morgan has to say. I mean, I think that, that she and I see eye to eye in a lot of this. You know, I think we need a more robust treatment system. Portugal had a much more robust treatment system when they decided to decriminalize. There's also a better relationship between the police um, and the public in Portugal that I think that we need to really take a hard look at and make sure that we're supporting our police in the way that they should be supported um, and make sure that we can um, uh, give them the tools they need. Portugal can confiscate drugs without having it being a crime. And we need to really look at uh, the ability to confiscate drugs, what that means and what tools the police need to do that. And I completely agree that we have to get accountability in the system. We have to make sure that people have the treatment they need when they need it. And we need to make sure that we are giving um, tools to both police and to the medical personnel who are going to treat people for addiction um, going forward. So I think a poverty plays a huge role in drug use, um, and we need to continue to also make sure that we are 
employing people at the right wages and making sure that we give them pathways out of poverty and away from drugs as we think about what kind of systems we need to continue to invest in. Kate Lieber and Lily Morgan, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Kate Lieber is a Democratic state senator from Beaverton and Southwest Portland and the Senate Majority Leader. Lily Morgan is a Republican state representative from Grants Pass, but she announced recently she'll be stepping down from the legislature to become the city manager of Gold Hill in Southern Oregon. Monday on the show, augmented reality apps and headsets let you see the real world with virtual elements overlaid on top. They're often used for gaming, but a group of researchers at the University of Washington is using AR to improve accessibility for users who are blind, visually impaired, or have other disabilities. We'll hear about those projects on the next Think Out Loud. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. Thank you.